you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here on Move the Sticks as we march towards the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine. And, Buck, uh, man, I guess it's, let's not uh, mess around here. Start right at the top. Biggest news story of the week, Kyler Murray. Baseball, done. I'm done, but we talked about this, DJ. We yeah. talked about it early when we started comparing the numbers when it came to the money. I know everyone was excited about the $4.66 million signing bonus. That Jump he, change. That he got from the A's, but – when we just did the, the numbers and we looked at Lamar Jackson being at the bottom of the first round and he had seven, maybe $8 million guaranteed on a deal, we're like, if you're Kyler Murray and you think that, okay, here are the top three quarterbacks, at worst, I'm the fourth. The fourth guy is going to be in the first round. And I would say that depending on how teams view him, he could be first or second. More money immediately in his hands. And then before we even take the money into consideration, I just think the kid loves football because if he didn't love football, he never would have dragged this out the entire way. I don't think he would have played at Oklahoma. I don't believe he would have kind of dangled, oh, I may go, I may try and do both. I believe in his heart he's a football player, he's committed to play football, and now we can evaluate him for what he is as a talent. Yeah, I mean, we kind of start the process. I, you know, I, I kind of park him at 29 on the list, kind of put him in the holding tank. Let's see, is he going to play football? Let's see, is he, you know, how big is he? That's the next question we'll, we'll find out once we get to the combine. Um, but I thought this was the decision that had to be made, whether or not it was made now or in Indianapolis. We could not come out of the combine ambiguous. You couldn't come out of there saying, I don't know, he still kind of hasn't, he's hemming and hawing, he might play baseball, but he still wants to keep the, no, no, no. If, if I'm going to spend a first-round pick on a guy, I'm putting my job in the, as a general manager and I'm putting the head coach's job on the line for this particular player. I cannot have it in the back of my mind that this guy's going to try and do both sports, impossible at the quarterback position, or I'm worried about the first sign of adversity, uh, this kid's out. You know, like that, That's something you have to eliminate that 
from the thought process of the decision maker. So I, I commend him. This was the first box he had to check mm-hmm. is commit fully to football, and he's taking care of that. He has taken care of that. And I think the next thing for him is to go in the combine and light it up. And I'm not even talking about lighting up what he's going to do on the turf. Now it's about his ability to really impress and dazzle evaluators with what he knows from a football perspective, perspective what he is able to bring when it comes to leadership, uh, his intangibles, uh, can he command the room, so then you can project him commanding the team. All of those things we need to see from Kyler Murray. And then if he goes out there and he runs fast and he throws the ball really well, I think he could potentially be the guy that we're really, really talking about when the combine is all said and done. All right, so now we've seen today uh, Mr. Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, has come out and uh, we're going to try and build around the foundation we have in place. When Pete, when asked about no. whether or not mm. they would take uh, Kyler Murray with the first overall selection, a guy that his head coach has gone on record when he was in college and said he would take him with the first pick in the draft if he were an NFL team. And now we have mm. – look, Eric Burkhardt hires Eric Burkhardt as the agent, who's Cliff Kingsbury's agent. There's a lot of dots and a lot of breadcrumbs kind of pointing to this thing not being done there uh, with the number one overall pick. So, Buck – I will put it to you this way. Mm-hmm. You, we, we, gradu- we watched mm-hmm. Josh Rosen through the process. We saw yep. him last year on a let's, – let's call it what it is. Terrible. A terrible, terrible football team. Mm-hmm. You know what you know about Josh Rosen. We are in the process of getting to know Kyler Murray. Is it worth – I think the name – you know the name that's being left out of this discussion I think has to be mentioned is Nick Bosa. Oh. Because you're not only swapping out Josh Rosen um, for Kyler Murray – you're going to cost yourself the opportunity to draft, I believe, is the best player in the draft, Nick Bosa. So if you'd make that, if there's a trade to be made, which I would imagine Josh Rosen would have to be traded if something, if they mm-hmm. were to make this decision. I mean, I guess you could look at Josh Rosen with uh, Jacksonville at seven. I guess the Giants maybe at six um, would be a place you could go. Um, to me, I don't know who you're going to get at six or seven. You're going to get a really good football player. You're not going to get Nick Bosa at six or seven. So that's the name I think sometimes gets lost in the discussion. Obviously, the quarterback is the most important thing. If you feel like this kid's a thousand times better than what you have, I think you you owe it to your organization to make that decision. But there is the fact that you're going to lose the best pass rusher in the draft. Yeah, you are going to lose the best pass rusher in the draft. But I think, man, they can make a couple of different moves. I think you can make the move maybe with Josh Rosen independent of what you want to do at number one and maybe still keep the number one overall pick. So say you move off from Josh Rosen and say you move off from the number one spot and you're able to kind of make a deal where you're able to get a pick below that. I don't know if there's going to be a rush to get Callum Murray at number one. And so I think maybe they can consider it and configure it. But when you really look at their team and um, this has been a thing, like Nick Bolson may very well be the best player in the draft. However, this is a team that has two pass rushers, uh, one solidified in Chandler Jones, and then Marcus Golden is a guy that is a free agent. So they have to make a decision he, on – Yeah, Marcus, Marcus not, Golden, I, hold on. Nick Bosa. I, I, I know, but when you're talking <laughs> about the money, would you rather be committed to paying a pass rusher at the money that you could get a quarterback, or would you rather re-sign Marcus Golden, have Chandler Jones, take Kyler Murray – and feel like maybe your team is trending in the right direction. But I think the thing that's interesting, Bill Will could have closed the door on this if he had said, we're committed to building our team around Josh Rosen. He kind of gave us the foundation. He said like the foundation. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was not, it was not was as firm as it could have been. If this Josh Rosen is going nowhere. Josh Rosen is a Cardinal. He's going to be a Cardinal for life. This is our guy. We're building around him. Kingsbury and crew, they're doing everything to get him ready to go. Bang. But they didn't do that. 
that leads me to believe that there's a little little smoke. And with the smoke, there's fire. And maybe, just maybe, as you talk about the breadcrumbs, maybe they take you back to the bird's nest. And maybe Calamari is sitting in there in red. All right, Buck, another team that I want to talk about in this in this discussion, we've been talking about the, the Oakland Raiders and whether or not they would stay committed to Derek Carr, whether they would move off Derek Carr. There's an there's some interesting poker to be played mm-hmm. here. Okay, so so follow me through this and tell me if I'm crazy. If let's take two different scenarios, okay? Let's say you like Derek Carr, you want to move forward with Derek Carr. Wouldn't it be smart if you're Gruden or Mayock to kind of let some breadcrumbs trickle out there that you know what? We really like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray could be our guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's something we're very interested in because what happens if that kind of leaks out, but not formally, but just kind of back channel that information? Somebody that likes Kyler Murray, say it's the you know, say it's the Giants or the Jags, whoever, um, you know, maybe it's the Dolphins. We've seen teams launch up from outside the top ten. If teams feel like they need to get ahead of Oakland to get Kyler Murray, what does that do for Oakland? It pushes down a better football player into your lap. So that's the one scenario we we don't want Kyler Murray, but we want to get it out there that we do. Yeah. Now there's and, a scenario if you do. What, on the other hand, what if you do want Kyler Murray and you feel like, hey, to to compete with Pat Mahomes in this division, we got to see Pat Mahomes twice, Philip Rivers twice. We don't feel like Derek Carr gives us enough oomph to get over the hump there. Then you better you better get it out there that you in love with you are in love with Derek Carr and we are not worried about you. Got it's a poker game, big time poker game. It is a poker game, and we've started to hear. Uh, people kind of leak out, well, you know, Coach Gruden really likes Kyler Murray. He, you know, he, he's kind of fascinated by that. I don't necessarily see that. Like, just in looking at his history, um, Gruden has never really played with that kind of quarterback. The closest thing that I could say he's played um, in, in terms of quarterback would be maybe Jeff Garcia, who was a little mobile and could run around and make plays, and he had him in Tampa for a little bit. But that's not really his, his style quarterback. And typically he likes older players, not younger players. But I do believe the Raiders will try and match that and try and get some interest in that pick so they can get another player to kind of fall to them. And this is really a defensive heavy draft. And the Raiders need to really upgrade their defense before they even think about adding offensive playmakers and helping their car. They have to fix the defense. I do believe they can use the Calamari intrigue to kind of create some interest where another player falls, and they can kind of control the board. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to see what happens here with Kyler Murray in this draft. Now, Buck, I had a chance to uh, to visit with our good buddy Chris Rose. Chris Rose, everybody knows Chris from you know first of all BattleBots. Let's start first and foremost, outstanding that? host of, of BattleBots. Uh, but he's on uh, MLB Network with Intentional Talk there with Kevin Millar also. Uh, does a great job of all of his NFL network duties. You see him uh, hosting uh, NFL primetime show over the last few years. He's uh, he's really one of the, the best guys in the business, and he's a good friend of the show. But he's also a Cleveland Browns fan and knows the baseball world as, as well as anyone because of his, his uh, connection into that community. So here's my conversation I had with Chris about Kyler Murray as well as uh, a very relevant Cleveland Browns topic. Well, Chris, it's it's kind of been the news story everybody's been following in the NFL. We've been waiting for it. I think we all thought it would come down at the Combine uh, with this decision with Kyler Murray. Would he continue on both tracks? Would he choose baseball? Would he choose football? Uh, we now know, obviously, he's going the football route. Just uh, ask for your thoughts. It's not surprising at all. I mean, not one bit. Actually, when the A's agreed to let him go back to Norman, they knew that there was a risk. I don't think anybody knew how good a player he was. But by October, we all went, yeah, this isn't, this isn't looking good for baseball. <laughs> and here's the deal. Really, for 
baseball continues to lose good athletes left and right. If they want to continue to hang on or, or try to have any shot of hanging on to the Kyler Murrays of the world, they have to change the system that's in place. This really was an easy decision, I would imagine, financially for Kyler Murray. Um, the A's, when, when, when you're talking about a baseball draft, you're basically slotted. You don't get what's called a major league contract. So the A's, even if they wanted to back up the bank vault, aren't permitted to do that. Now, mm-hmm. if they change the rules and are allowed to put Kyler Murray on what's called a 40-man roster, that doesn't mean the big league roster, but it means that they kind of treat him financially like he's a big leaguer if they want to. If they had said, we will give you $25 million guaranteed dollars, you don't think that he would have had to think long and hard about that, DJ? No question. Well, this is what I want to get to because I don't think the football fans understand the rules uh, with baseball right. in terms of the length there. My, my thing, looking from the outside, I follow it kind of on the fringe. You're in there in the nitty-gritty. I know they recently changed the international rules in terms of the international mm-hmm. signings, but if you were a kid that they found in Latin America, I mean, they were scratching $10, $11 million checks uh, for these guys to come be a part of Major League Baseball because they wanted to get the best guys possible. But yet right. they treat guys in the baseball draft – you're slotted, you're limited, and then what I, I don't think the folks know is the clock from when you are drafted to when you can actually cash in. Like, we're waiting for, for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to cash in. These guys, in the NFL, that's after three, four, five years. How long have those guys had to wait before they can finally cash in? Well, you know, you're, you're talking about the upper echelon there, but let's take an average. But I mean, just the timeline, just the timeline. Yes. I know you have so, arbitration and all that. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Let's say you're drafted out of high school at age 18. And let's say you make it to the big leagues at a relatively early age in baseball. That would be 21 or 22. So you yeah. spent three or four years in the minors taking 10-hour bus rides through the state making, of Florida or Texas. a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, You're making nothing. Now, even if you're a first-round pick and you've signed like Kyler Murray would have kept a $4.66 million signing bonus, he's not getting paid anything on top of that. So by the time he gets to the big leagues, let's say if he would have gotten there at 24, let's just mm. pick a number. Then he starts making in the $500,000 range. That's the minimum. That's the league minimum. <laughs> and then the first three years of your baseball existence as a major leaguer, they can do what's called renew your contract. Even though you know, you're talking about football fans here, hopefully most of them know who Mike Trout is. And he's yeah. the best player in baseball. He won MVP one year, I think in his sec- in his really his first full year. The next year they gave him a ten thousand dollar raise. That's it. <laughs> that's all because that's the power that the Angels had on him at that point. Yeah. That's all they had to do. So you're fr- until you hit what's called arbitration, which is basically after three years of major league service time. It doesn't combine major league and minor league time, just major league time. Then yeah. you can start making a significant amount of money. But, yeah, for Kyler Murray, he looked at that in the financial equation. He said, I have a chance to be one of 32 starting quarterbacks plus endorsements and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it probably was a relatively easy decision for him. Well, I've got bad news for you, buddy. Um, you're, headed for a, uh, you're headed for a labor uh, issue with Major League Baseball because they have got to fix that. that they can't get yeah, down Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that, surely yeah. that's going to be something that's addressed in their next uh, negotiation. But uh, it's just the clock is too much time. There's too you can you can provide too much value to your team for too long a period of time without getting compensated. And I know the back end in baseball, we've seen the contracts. We're getting ready to see a couple more. We're talking about two hundred fifty, three hundred million dollars. I mean, it is a massive payout. But that the number of guys is so few that actually 
realize that number. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in your sport going forward there. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, let's let's not shed a tear for the guys that end up being arbitration eligible and go down there. What did Arenado just... just get? What did Arenado just get? So, third Nolan baseman. Arenado, who is one of the best players in baseball, all-star third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. In his last year before free agency, he just signed a one-year $26 million deal, which I think came on top of 19 a year ago. So you're talking yeah. about earning 45 mil over the last two years. There aren't a lot of uh, – that's probably Nolan Arenado calling right now to discuss his finances. <laughs> Sound like a rotary phone. Is that a rotary phone back there? Hey, somebody's got to have a landline, and I'm sticking to it. So there you go. I like that. I like that. Um, hey, yeah. the, uh, uh, the interesting thing going forward now as we kind of move off of Kyler Murray, I, I want to get over to another subject with you while we've got you. Um, your team, the team you follow forever in the NFL, uh, you're passionate about, Cleveland Browns go out and they sign Kareem Hunt. So a couple of different thoughts on that. First of all, um, you know, the character thing, John Dorsey took some risks there, as everybody knows, in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. Um, we've seen it now in, in Cleveland. We saw it last year in the draft with Callaway. Now we see it with the addition here of Kareem Hunt. First of all, are you, are you comfortable with that? And in this particular situation, the, the, the thing that stands out to a lot of people, I've heard this a bunch, is you know, Kareem Hunt had his issues in Cleveland. So not only are you bringing in somebody that's had issues, you're bringing him into the town, his hometown, where he's had some influences there that obviously it hasn't gone so well. It's a lot to unpack here, DJ. Yeah. Um, as a fan, as a father, I mean, we actually discussed it. So I've got two boys that are 18 and 13 and are huge Cleveland fans. And so we discussed it. Mm -hmm. And my 13-year-old, who was actually home with the flu yesterday, when we signed and he comes in, he goes, did we just sign Kareem Hunt? And I said, yeah, how are you feeling about that? He goes, I don't think I can root for him. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Now, so how do we, and really in sports, it's the only area where we have to make this decision. If we find out that a rock star did something like this, if we find out that a movie star did something like this, we don't have to go see their movie. We don't have to yeah. buy their concert tickets. We don't have to listen to their music. But when I'm 48 years old, the Browns have been such a significant part of my life. Do I now just turn them off because they made, in what my opinion, is a weak decision? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I deal with that? And I don't necessarily have the right answer. I really don't. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop being a Browns fan. Just like I don't think Chicago fans should have been forced to stop being Cubs fans when they traded for Roldis Chapman after he had a domestic violence issue. Like, fans shouldn't be in the position of saying I'm picking my team or morality. Yeah. I don't, I don't think those are mutually exclusive things here, DJ. I can be disappointed with what my team did and still love my team. And that's kind of where I am today. No, it's, it's look, you can, you can go through and look at movies that we still will come on TV that we will enjoy starring, you know, actors that have, we've learned things about that. Right. You know, it's awful, awful things. But I do think, you know, a lot of people kind of separate separate the two and can still find enjoyment while not necessarily agreeing with, with um, you know, the decisions that particular Well, that's – I mean, DJ, make. it really gets to a bigger picture. When, yeah. I, when I, we always talk about sports, and we've been around athletes long enough to, to where our kids say, hey, Dad, is that person nice? And what I usually say is, well, they've been nice to me over the years. Like, yeah, yeah. I have a good relationship with them, but I don't really know them. Now, there's some, some guys in both sports I know much better. You yeah. know, I have a relationship. I'll text with them. I'll call them. We'll go mm -hmm. out to dinner, whatever. 
And those people I can vouch for. But I always say, appreciate what athletes do on the field, just like what movie stars do on the screen. But don't expect them to be any it's not better an endorsement. It's not a, you're no. not endorsing them as human no. beings. Yeah. And like I said, we shouldn't have to make a choice if a guy puts on your favorite team's uniform with some. I mean, I haven't met one person who's like, yep, I'm for domestic violence. Yep, yeah. I love people who assault and kick women in a hotel. I haven't met that person yet. Yeah. But I also don't think that they should have to give up their fandom when a team puts them in a tough position. One thing that I, I would just look at from a personnel standpoint, trying to put myself inside that situation, you know that the question is coming. When you make this decision, mm-hmm. when you decide to give Kareem Hunt a second chance, and maybe you know they have knowledge of him as a person, having been around him and drafted him there in Kansas City, and maybe they do feel like, even though there are evidence of other incidents, it's not just a one-time thing, but they, they have a, a firm belief in the human being. Okay, that's one thing. But you know when you sign him, one of the first questions you're going to get, have you been thorough in your investigation? And if you're going to say yes, you cannot then answer the next question about whether you've tried to reach out or speak to the victim right. and answer no. You can't do that. You have to. It's yeah. either, hey, you know what, we've, we, we just have ultimate faith in him. Have you done a thorough investigation? Have you been thorough in your background? You know what, and you stand on that ground and say, we know him, we're sticking with him. You can't say you've been thorough and not having tried to reach no. out to the victim. That doesn't, that doesn't work doesn't add up. And the other thing you can't do is when you have mini camps and Kareem Hunt's available to the media and all that sort of stuff, you can't say, hey, guys, 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 don't ask those. Don't ask him about that. Or, yeah. Or we're, no, if you're going to bring this in, then you have to deal with the whole thing. OK. Yeah. And I, I just don't get it on so many levels. Like I, I was going through. They don't yesterday. need him. They don't need him. That's the other well, thing. That- let's. Right. I don't even want to talk about that part. I don't even want to talk about He's a great player. I get it. He's a great player. Nick Chubb's a better football player. And a better human being from what we know at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, by all accounts, Nick Chubb is this quiet, humble, hardworking kid who busts his ass every day. Who's got more more bursts and got more juice than uh, than Kareem Hunt. On so many levels, just the football side doesn't make sense. But then, then the rest of this. I don't get it. They've done so yeah. many good things, and Dorsey has built up so much goodwill over the year plus that he's been there. This is one where it could, it could come back and bite him. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there as we uh, as we go towards the combine. Rose, last thing from you. Uh, yeah. You always get a chance to see these guys. I know you're you're busy during the fall doing all all you've got going on. Uh, but you always get a couple college players. You kind of it, it's fun. This is the best part of the year, in my opinion, because we get to see these guys. Kind of, it's a graduation, right? They transition from right. a college game to the NFL game, and now you get to see them with all the best players lined up on that field in Indianapolis. I can't wait for that. Is there is there one or two guys uh, you're looking forward? I know you're always doing your scouting. You're on official scouting yes. for the Cleveland Browns. Who, well, who are you, you owe me. Seeing? You owe me a scouting phone call coming up in the next couple I'm, weeks because I just ha- I have you. I always. Have my yearly chat, although I haven't been to the combine in a couple of years. I always call you and I call Charles Davis to just go over and see what you guys are thinking. <laughs> and Charles will tell you uh, who the kid played high school football with and who, right. what what role he played in the spring play, <laughs> and who his uncle was, and exactly. why, why, and you know how he won a bowling tournament and bowled a two ninety seven <laughs> one year and left the seven ten and the eight pins up. Um, listen. I love it that, that Kyler Murray is going full board quarterback because now my team doesn't need that. So that pushes another good defensive player down to the Browns. And 
I think they lack some athleticism at the linebacker position. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any way the kid from LSU gets there or not. Does he? I don't, I, I don't think so, but I, I wanted to look. I was just doing some work on teams, and I'm just going to find this here real quick. Um, yeah. Because when I looked this up about the Browns, it just kind of caught me off guard a little bit um, because of kind of what the narrative was. Um, and I think, obviously, the personality of Greg Williams had a lot to do with it. Um, but I didn't even – how did I not realize that in 2018 uh, they were uh, – oh, wait, here it is. Dropped in production by the defense. 14th in total defense in 2017. They were 30th mm-hmm. in total defense in 2018. Right. Like, they were much worse defensively this year, and I know they won more games, and I think maybe it's just kind of the association. We know Miles Garrett played well. Uh, we, we know Ogan Joby played well. We know they've got good players on defense. Denzel Ward right. had a great rookie year. We know they won more games, so I think we all just kind of naturally – oh, they must have been – they were much better on de- – they were worse. They were worse they were, on defense. They were worse. They need some help on that side. For the first time in decades, it's not the offense that I'm concerned about. I mean, I actually thought Peppers played much better like the last six games. I think they finally figured out how to utilize him. I'm excited to see how Steve Wilkes uh, ends up you know, putting him in the lineup. They need somebody – you know, Ogba has not gotten it done opposite no. Miles Garrett. They need somebody next to Ogan Joby, and I know this this draft is is deep when it comes to defensive tackles, which is great. Mm-hmm. They need to get better at the linebacking position. I would be shocked if Jamie Collins was around for another year. Um, you know, Denzel Ward played really well. They could probably use another corner. So they're they're going to go heavy defense here's, here, my man. Here, here, but here's here's my question: um, defense on paper, yes, absolutely. But do you think that there's at least a little, little voice in John Dorsey's head saying, we need a left tackle? I yeah. love my quarterback, oh, yeah. and we need a left tackle. Totally. Uh, and in the totally. way the league's going, I'm just saying it, that that is going to be a little bit of a tug and pull there because you can say, we're this close to having an elite offense. Now, we've yep. got a lot of holes we need to plug on defense, but, man, if we can get the offense up to that level, maybe it can kind of carry, carry the tide and bring those boats up a little bit on the defensive side. Well, as you well know, left tackles don't move a ton in free agency and when they do no. they get severely overpaid so yeah i mean I, I, <coughs> Nate Solder. yeah right <laughs> i'm happy you said it not me <laughs> if if there's a guy at 17 that's available for them then you know if it's a kid you might from be waiting for your State, defense yeah you might be waiting for your yeah, defense and by the around. way they still have the third most cap space so they could yeah. fill it, it you know there aren't for example, there aren't a ton of wide receivers that you want on the free agent market. You know, those guys have been offensive linemen in the free agent market is not good to me. I, I no. think you're it's it's obviously incredibly deep in, in the draft on the defensive front. I think the free agency, from what I've uh, talking to teams, they feel pretty good about what's out there. I would not be surprised if the Browns plug some of those defensive holes. Um, me and too. At least give them an opportunity if the if the left tackle is there to go ahead and take him. I'm with you. I mean, listen, you can fill holes all over the way, all over the, you know, all over the place, whether it's in mid-March through free agency or late April in the draft. But I can, for the first time in years, I don't have to find a quarterback. I feel good about running back. I feel like a football fan again. Yeah, you've got a football team there. A football team I think a lot of folks are going to pick to win that division next year. So, hey, dude, we, uh, no, no, come on. Expectations, embrace them. Don't run from them. Embrace them. This is a new era of Cleveland Browns football. <laughs> Do that. All right. Let's, uh, I'll let you run, man. Send me a text when you find out that we, if we've signed uh, Harper or Machado. Would you do that for me, please? Yeah, for the Padres? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're talking about 2019 and not 2039, right? Oh, when they're gosh, old. That hurts. Wow, that Sorry. hurts. 
That hurts. Sorry. When Fernando Tatis wins the Triple Crown uh, two years from now, just just wait for that phone call. It's coming. I can't wait on a 77-win team. I'm all for it. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you're such a jerk. All right. All you're right. out of here. You're fired. Uh, thanks, See Roser. You. I appreciate you, bud. All right, Buck. Well, well there you heard it there with, uh, with Roser. And um, some interesting things. I think we've kind of handled all the, the Kyler Murray discussion, but I do want to get your opinion on the back end of that. Uh, really yeah, kind of deep there, talking about the Cleveland Browns situation there with Kareem Hunt. Um, he doesn't really understand why they did it. He's not going to affect his fandom in any way with the Cleveland Browns. It's 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 kind of like you compartmentalize some of this stuff. But uh, your thoughts there on the signing by John Dorsey? Well, I mean, I think this is a classic case of what John Dorsey has always done. John Dorsey has always valued talent over character. And so I'm not necessarily surprised to see the Browns make a move um, for Kareem Hunt, especially because he drafted him. And so he will believe that he knows everything about the kid. He will be able to kind of – wave off the incident as maybe a one-time mistake, and then he's willing to kind of put his neck out there. Now, they're saying the right things in terms of like, hey, there's nothing promised, no guarantees, and the like. But from a football standpoint, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put the best product on the field talent-wise. And he obviously is comfortable dealing with the pushback. They dealt with it a season ago. They dealt with it with Antonio Callaway. And in their minds, they're like, look, this is a storm. It'll get heavy play for like a week or two, but at some point it'll blow away and we'll have one of the more talented backs in the National Football League to pair with Nick Chubb and to be able to do some things that we want to do with Baker Mayfield. I think this is a calculated move. They did it early enough in the process where they believe they can kind of weather uh, the arrows that would be slung at them for taking on a guy that was committed, that was in, in an egregious act as such. And I just think that they are looking at the bottom line, and the bottom line for them is collecting enough talented players to give them an opportunity to win the AFC North. Man, it's been T-O-E, talent over everything. Uh, that's a <laughs> philosophy there. I mean, it is what it is, right? That's, just, that's it. Just go find I mean, the most talented guys. That, that's what they're doing. And you and I have had this discussion when it comes to character, and I'm not even talking about the character in terms of the violence against women and Kareem Hunt and what he was uh, involved in. We'll just talk about character in general. And how there are some that believe, hey, man, if you get enough talent, uh, at the end of the day, the talent will overcome everything like you talked about. But then there are some of us that believe, now nah, you got to make sure you have the right guys on your team. Because mm-hmm. when adversity strikes and you have a team full of good guys, they're going to pull it together more, more so than splinter apart. And so with the Cleveland Browns, they're dangerously towing that line between accumulating enough good guys and having the kind of characteristics that can really make the place explode when it goes wrong. We'll see. We'll see if Freddie Kitchens and we'll see if John Dorsey and their staff can kind of keep everything together. But right now, there's certainly it's certainly a move that has some risks, but a high level of reward too. Well, last thing on this topic, and, and we'll move on, but um, when I was talking to Rose, to me the biggest, the, the, the biggest issue I have, it's not that – guys get second chances in life look i'm a forgiving human being i think everybody deserves a second chance when you've you know proven um you've corrected your behavior and you've been remorseful now there's a time issue there how much time needs to elapse mm-hmm. uh before you're given that opportunity we could we can definitely have mm-hmm. that debate my my biggest issue with this signing was you can't come out and say you've done due diligence buck and then when the follow-up question have you tried to reach out to the victim and say no you can't. You can't have it both know, ways. Just, you either did your due diligence or you didn't. So that's what I don't understand from a team standpoint. 
You know that question's coming. How do you not just, at least a, make that a, attempt? Just a just a bad just a bad PR move when you when you say those things. Like in all honesty, DJ, we we would probably respect it more if you say, "Look, we think he's a really talented player. We add him to the roster. Yes, we understand the incidents and all the things that are coming with it, but we're in the business of winning games. We think he brings us one step closer to winning a ton of games, and we're willing to deal with all the criticism and fallout." Like yeah. when someone says that, you know exactly where they're saying. But you can't which try is, and which play is the it. truth. Which right. is the truth. Right. Yeah. And and you can't try and play it both ways like, no, you know, we want to do this and we want to No. Like we're in the business of winning games. It's a bottom line business. Our job is not necessarily to rehab and reform players. We're trying to put the best fifty three on the roster for the Cleveland Browns so we can win the AFC North and get into the postseason. That is what it is, and that is the reality of it. So all the PR spin and all that other stuff doesn't need to occur. If you just want to have a transparent discussion about why you signed him, you signed him because he's a Pro Bowl player. He's a guy that was playing at an MVP level at times throughout his career. We add him to the mix with Nick Chubb. We feel like we have a dynamic backfield, and that is going to give us the best chance to win and elevate our quarterback. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the facts of the matter. I mean, you get right down to it. You can say whatever you want to say. I, I just don't get the whole – we did our due diligence. There's no need just to do, hey, say just, that. Just, we believe just, in the kid. We believe. I drafted him. I've known. I've known him for four years, three years, whatever. Um, he's made mistakes, absolutely, but we believe in him. And then when the due diligence question comes, you say we believe in him. Period. Stay That's on. It. Stay on brand. Stay on yeah. task. Stay on topic. We believe in the kid. I'm willing to gamble on my own because, let's be honest, in Kansas City, Tyreek Hill was involved in a similar incident. And worse, Tyree, uh, worse, worse incident, worse incident this when, wasn't when he was in camera. college. Wasn't on camera. And Tyreek Hill is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs because he can put the ball in the paint. He can score touchdowns and do all of those things. And people rarely discuss Tyreek Hill. And so you're rolling the dice saying that the player's production and performance is going to make his past irrelevant. And so I would just rather you say that. Look, he's a talented player. We think he's going to produce, and he's going to make us better. We're in the business of winning games. Period. Yeah, it's it's really a similar thing because you had Tyreek Hill. That situation happened before he was there. They elected to bring him into their organization. Exact same thing here in Cleveland and with the Cleveland Browns. Even though John Dorsey might have been in Kansas City, this incident happened before he was a member of the Cleveland Browns, and they decided to bring him in the organization. It's a, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, uh, and because because for Dorsey it has worked out he is more likely to go back in because his last memory of taking a risk on a character player may be Tyreek Hill. And he said, look. Worked out Antonio Callaway last year. Antonio Callaway. Hey, it's worked out for me, so I'm going to continue to keep kind of fishing Drawing in the pond. that well. Yes, I'm going to keep right, fishing in the pond. Let's get into some uh, Let's get into some position players for this uh, combine here. We've got the draft coming up. We've got the scouting combine coming up on NFL Network. I want to talk about some running backs here first, Buck. And – First of all, as we kind of get in, I'm going to kind of go over the guys I have in my top five at the position. I know you've got your list as well. We'll kind of just roll through these guys and, and give folks at home kind of uh, what to look for here with these players as we get to the combine. But one of the things I did, I went back and looked and um, with the help of my buddy Jack there in research, and we looked over the last 10 – or over last season, top 10 in rushing yards, right? Mm-hmm. Broke this down. Um, I want got, he got the combine data for those guys. Now, some of them did not participate in some combine uh, numbers, so I don't have them across the board. But for the, for the most part, 40-wise, we have all but uh, Gurley, who did, not, who did not run there. Remember, he was a little bit nicked up coming out. 
But the average, this is so if you take those top 10 in terms of rushing yards and then you average height, weight, speed, mm-hmm. I want to kind of put it in your mind of, okay, this is what it looks like to be one of the 10 top rushers in the NFL. Uh, average height, 5'11 and 7 eighths, just under 6 foot, 220 pounds, so good size there, with an average 40 of 4'47. So that's the standard right there if you're looking at it. I, I know with teams in the past, we would look at what was the starter standard. So what was the average uh, numbers, testing numbers, height, weight, speed for the 32 starters at the running back position? Personally, I'll get with your thoughts on this. Personally, I'm not trying to get an average starter. No, I'm trying to draft a, a top, top 10 type player at the position. So that's the standard I would set. Those are the benchmarks you're trying to hit. Those are absolutely the benchmarks that we're trying to hit. And I think it's interesting that these numbers come back as such. 5'11", 220, to me, that is what we call a quote-unquote big back. Yeah. And as the league is trending, we not only are getting big backs that can bang it up inside and run and have the ability to take it a distance, but they can catch the ball out the backfield. And so combine, we don't have a metric for how well they catch and how well they perform when they're doing those drills, assessing their route running ability and their ability to make plays in space catching the ball. But I want someone who's big, who's physical, who's dynamic with the ball in his hands, but is also a factor in the passing game. And when you look at that list, the one outlier, as you can imagine, Philip Lindsay, right? Philip Lindsay, uh, 5'7 and a quarter, 184 pounds, and ran 4'39. Now, keep in mind, he wasn't even invited to the combine. That's from his pro day. Uh, those are his numbers there. So he is 184 pounds. He's the only guy in the top 10 of the Russian leaders last year that was under 200 pounds. McCaffrey just a little bit over there at 202. Um, but that's, you know, so there's always outliers. You can definitely identify those outliers. For the most part, though, you average this out, um, you got a little bit of size to you uh, to be in one of those top 10 rushers. Yeah, because you got to be able to deal with the thump. You have to be able to run yeah. inside. You have to be able to, the biggest thing we talk about, you talked about contact balance. I talk about running through arm tackles. The most important thing I look for at the end of runs is how do you finish? There are some guys that always fall forward. And typically, those guys that fall forward at the end of runs have a little more meat to them, a little more girth where they can kind of run through tackles, especially when they get into the secondary. Yeah, I think this is a very good group of, uh, of running backs. I don't think we have the elite guy. There's no mm-hmm. Todd Gurley. There's no Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying that. But I think there's a really good group. And I think there's uh, – there's a group of guys you're going to be able to get in the middle rounds. We can touch on some of those guys here in a second. But I'll rip off who I have coming into the combine, mm-hmm. and we'll see, get these uh, official measurables as well, which helps in the process. But coming into it, I got Josh Jacobs as the top guy from Alabama. You know, the big knock on him is the limited number of touches. That's the Alvin Kamara. You can go back and you can tie that to him. Uh, that'll help him out because of the, of the crowded backfield they have there. But he's explosive. He's elusive. He's outstanding in the pass game. I put a play on uh, – I think maybe it was on Instagram, Instagram or Twitter, where you mm-hmm. see him uh, look over, looking over his inside shoulder. The ball goes over his outside shoulder. You see him flip around, catch the ball naturally. I mean, that it's plays like that. I'm in. I'm in on this kid. You know, I think this kid is explosive. I think we saw at the end of the year at Alabama, he was a guy that really made things happen when he had the ball in his hands. Um, what I like about him is he strikes me as more of a blue-collar playmaker, but he has kind of that sizzle that you look for. Yeah. I think he can grind it out in between the tackles. He's physical. He can get it to the edges. And you talked on talked about his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is a huge factor. Ideally, we want every down backs, guys that can stay on the field for three downs and never have to leave because they don't have the skills to contribute as in, as in pass protection or as a receiver. He has those things, and he doesn't have a lot of mileage no tread. on him. Or he's got plenty like of tread that. on the tires, I plenty should say. Tread on tire. Like that. Yeah. All right, next on the list, number two, I have a kid from Florida Atlantic, Devin Singletary, mm. who's I think the most shifty back 
very shifty, very quick, very elusive. He's got outstanding vision. Um, you know, I'm anxious to see what the top, top speed is that he possesses because he's not a big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys that's around 200, a little over. Uh, but, man, Buck, he's he's just so dynamic in those short areas. Uh, he's, he's a really impressive player to watch. You watch him against Oklahoma, who I know Oklahoma's mm-hmm. defense is not great, but that was a big stage he played on. I thought he rose to that occasion. He does. He has big playability, and that's what everyone is looking for. Everyone is looking for those shifty guys, guys who can make people miss. Even though I talked about having the big physical guy, the guy that's the grinder, a grinder in the end, the ability to make people miss, to be able to turn those three-yard gains into 10-yard gains. That's where the game is played. And you even talked about his top-end speed. I am less concerned about top-end speed, and I'm more concerned on can guys dominate within that 10-yard box. If you can give me a consistent 5 or 10 yards, I can kind of build that running game around it. It is really rare that you see guys take it the distance, take it 40-plus yards. I want guys that are excellent being in that – that 0-10, 0-15 yard area consistently, and I think Singletary has that ability. No doubt. And we get to the next one on the list, number three for me, David Montgomery. You talk about somebody that in Jacobs who has a lot of tread left on the tires. Now, Montgomery, not so much. He has no. been toting the rock there at Iowa State uh, a lot, a lot of touches. But he has got excellent patience. I think that's one of the underrated aspects of the running back position. He's got patience. He's got vision. And he's another one. He's a big, a little bit bigger. He's 216 pounds. You see him in short areas. Can you make people miss? To me, in, in the tight, confined spaces, that to me is what separates running backs. Mm-hmm. You don't get the space in the room no. that you get in the college game at the NFL level. Everything is condensed. So can you either, with power, be able to get yourself out of those tight quarters, or can you be elusive? And to me, what, what I like so much about Montgomery, he can do both. Yeah, and I think that's important to be able to kind of shift it. Uh, You talk about being able to be elusive in tight quarters. I call it being Houdini in a phone booth. And I think he does show that at times. He's able to kind of get in and out of tight areas. But he's also able to kind of switch and flip the switch and turn it on to be a physical back at the end of the runs. And so this game is hard. And the one thing about the volume of carries – We can look at it negatively like, man, he's had so many carries. But some teams can view it positively and say, look, the one thing we know about bringing him in, he can handle a heavy workload, 18 to 20, because typically the top end backs are getting 18 to 22 carries. He has shown that he can do that. No doubt. Um, He is a good football player. Pass protection-wise, I like to see him get a little bit better in that area. That's where he needs to work on. Uh, Number four on the list, to me, he's the steady Eddie is is Mm -hmm. Damian Harris there from from Alabama. Nothing's going to wow you about him. But, again, somebody with great balance. He runs hard. Um, he's very instinctive as well. Sees the field real well. He's got good vision. Finishes runs. He just doesn't have quite the same pop, the same juice as, as his teammate there in Jacobs. But, to me, just a steady, eddy, reliable guy. You know exactly what you're getting. To me, he's kind of in that middle, late second round, third round type range. I think you're going to get a good football player. Hey, look, he's the Honda Accord of this running back class, meaning there's nothing flashy about him, but he is going to get from point A to point B. He's going to get you there safely. Uh, You may be able to run up 150, 200,000 miles, and he's going to be there each and every weekend. I think there's something to having a guy that is dependable, reliable, that can give you that kind of production. I like his physicality. I like his toughness. I like the fact that, look, he split time at the end with Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs eventually became the number one back but he still made plays when he got his opportunity. I just believe that he is going to be a guy that, as in part of a rotation, he's going to be a solid guy that you can get a lot out of. All right, this, uh, this fifth spot was tough for me because they have the same grade, identical mm-hmm. grade on a bunch of guys. End up putting Justice Hill in there from Oklahoma State. Now, he is not a big back. He's going to be under 200 pounds. But to me, he's got tremendous juice. When you watch it, he just looks like he's playing at a little different speed than everybody else. 
Uh, he can make you miss. He can run away from you. More of a slasher. To me, I, if you're looking for the Philip Lindsay in this class, I know a lot of folks uh, like Miles Gaskin, and they've compared him. Mm-hmm. I think that's easy because they're both Pac-12 guys. Yep. To me, I see it a little bit more with Justice Hill. I think he's got a little more pop, a little more juice uh, to him. And somebody that, for an undersized back, is competitive as a blocker. Now, he'll cut you, uh, but he is very good at it. He's uh, he's effective. He can hold up back there. A lot of times, those smaller guys, you worry about them in that area. Uh, I came away uh, impressed. Look, he, he has big-time separation ability. He can take it the distance, his quickness, his acceleration, the explosiveness that you see in a short area and on the run. You like those things. It'll be interesting to see how people kind of peg him because obviously when you're undersized like that, you need to be able to give me more, be it as the ability to be a matchup option in the passing game, uh, adding stuff in the return game. You have to be able to be more because you just don't know if you can hand it to an undersized guy 20 to 22 times. He has to be able to make explosive plays in a variety of ways because you want to maximize his touches uh, and his production potential. Right, there you go. There's the uh, there's the top five. The guy that's I will put an asterisk by is David Montgomery. Oh. If he didn't have injuries at Oklahoma, sorry, not David Montgomery. Uh, what's his name? Rodney Anderson. Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, who's that six one, two hundred twenty pound back. Um, if he didn't have all the injuries, he's had a, a collection of injuries cost him this last season. Buck to me, he would be my second guy. He would be all the way up there, and I think you're talking about him on that borderline late one, early second round pick type talent, but not having all the medical information and knowing how much time he's missed. I'm just kind of keep – put him in the holding tank. Put him in the holding tank for the time being. The other guy I'm going to put in the holding tank, and look, I know some of this is going to be biased. I'm curious to see what Bryce Love looks like when he finally gets back to health. This was a yeah. disappointing year for him, all the ankle issues and then having to torn ACL. But a year ago, this dude lit it up in the college game. I think the big thing for him is he's one of those guys that we may forget about in the draft process, then he reappears on the team, and we look at like, man – how do we forget about Bryce Love? I just yeah. believe with his his toughness, his size is going to be an issue, but his speed because he is fast, and if he's re, if he's rehab back to health, he's going to be in that high four three, low four four range. He's going to have an opportunity to be one of those guys that maybe we talk about, like a Philip Lindsay. I'm gonna give you a couple more names here, and then we'll we'll roll. Uh, these are the guys I have in that third, fourth round range who I think that is a sweet spot in this draft for running backs because I've got a collection of about six guys that I think are uh, very similar in terms of their value, and that's where I have them pegged. Um, you mentioned Bryce Love. Now, you're going to have to wait a little while, but he's, to me, in that range. You might get him a little bit of a discount, might even get yes. him beyond the third, fourth round because mm-hmm. of the ACL, but I had him in this group. But you've got Reichwell Armstead from Temple. Daryl Henderson, who a lot of people in the league love from mm-hmm. Memphis, yes. he could. It wouldn't shock me if he went in the second round. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, trust me. But Jalen Moore from App State, coming off of an injury, is a really good football mm-hmm. player. Uh, Miles Sanders from Penn State is another one you're going to hear a lot about coming out of the combine. And then Dexter Williams from Notre Dame. I have that group all there together. And Elijah Holyfield is the other one from Georgia. Who Holyfield doesn't have a lot of sizzle. But he is just, as you can imagine, a tough, physical, pounding guy. That's a group of about seven backs um, that carry, to me, that third, fourth-round range. I think they can emerge as starters in the NFL, which means three or four of those guys, you're going to be able to get in the fifth round. Uh, So it's tremendous value in those middle rounds. So that's the thing. And when you talk about it, we talked about this being a really solid running back class, but it doesn't have a lot of star power at the top. And so when you have a solid class where everyone is graded together, everyone, they're sitting right there in their holding tank, what you're doing now in the draft room, you're looking at other positions and you're trying to figure out whether positions are shallow in terms of they don't have the, the amount of depth where I may need to go and get one of those guys in the third round because I know I can get a good running yeah. back that's comparable in the fourth or fifth round. And so 
because the running back class is so deep with that middle class, I think you may see some of these guys drafted later, even though their grade would suggest they should be day two players. Yeah, there you have it. That's just a little sneak peek there at the running back position. We'll try and go through all the positions as we get towards the combine here on the Move the Sticks podcast. All right, Buck, that's a, a jam-packed episode, man. Anything else you want to jump in on here before we get out? No, I think it's fascinating. The running back discussion was outstanding. But, man, this Kyler Murray uh, yeah. observation and evaluation is going to be something to watch. Wait, because I don't have it's, – it's a, it's a one-off, right? I don't have – there's nothing to compare it to. There's nothing to compare it to, but then it comes down to – production and performance versus prototypes and which one do you lean in favor of because the guy obviously can play but he does not look like what we typically see on Sundays yeah I mean look you're going to see a lot of people get courage and and put out there that they have tremendous conviction one way or the other he can't play I guarantee it it's going to happen he's going to play and you're going to have other people that say he has no chance. He cannot play in the league. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. Neither one of them are comfortable in that opinion. Oh, no, you can't be comfortable because how do you know? Like, how do you know? You won't know until you get him. And that's why the teams that take him, I just hope for his sake, the offensive coordinator is a guy that really knows how to do it. And better yet, that the head coach has long tenure, that he has the ability to really do it the right way. There are a couple of teams that we've mentioned before. Talk about the Saints, the Patriots, those guys. They're not going anywhere, so they could take yeah. a chance on a Kyler Murray. And if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work out, it won't work. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with him, as well as this entire draft class. Again, you can find the uh, NFL Combine coverage live on NFL Network. We'll have you covered wall to wall there. Not just the uh, the quarterbacks. A lot of uh, a lot of good players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be fun. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for subscribing, leaving us uh, your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let's get the word out. We've got you covered here. I promise you this is going to be the best location. We've got all of your draft needs covered. Uh, we're going to go in-depth on all these players. We're going to have our 360 series. We're going to roll that out again where we take a deep dive on some of the top players in this year's class. So uh, be sure. Tell a friend. Jump on board and move the six trains. we got you covered. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll catch you next time right here. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. 
I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 